Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan, and I'm joined in studio today by Matt Feld. Today, we're going to talk to newly hired Yale coach Brian Hamm, who recently, just this last spring, won the Division Three National Championship with Eastern Connecticut State University. Coach Ham, thanks so much for joining us on Zoom. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been, I would imagine it's been a crazy couple of months. I was reading a story where he flew out to California to do some recruiting right after uh, you got hired at Yale, then had to fly back to do the first pitch uh, at City Field with the Mets. What is, uh, what is the last, what have the last couple of months been like for you? Uh, yeah, we, I actually flew out on uh, day one of my job out to California uh, to catch up on uh, recruiting since I had gotten hired later in the summer. Um, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind uh, from the run that we made at Eastern, having a spectacular regular season, going forty nine and three, and then uh, not losing in the NCAA tournament, and then turning around and, and having the opportunity here at Yale. Uh, it's been a really magical uh, spring and summer for me and, and our coaching staff, and uh, for the Eastern players. And tomorrow uh, is our first meeting with the Yale team, and, and hopefully um, that's the start of something special as well. Yeah, it's amazing. The, the timing of this stuff all works out um, pretty crazy when you're doing these job searches, but you're coming off the D3 National Championship. Uh, and I read that you actually live t- a 12-minute drive from Yale. So you were commuting an hour and 15 minutes to Eastern Connecticut. And then you also, before that, uh, your previous job was at Amherst. So that was like an hour and 45 minutes both ways. Was the Yale job on your radar at all? I know John Stuper was coming to the end of his career and had kind of been vocal about the fact that he was going to leave after th- or retire after 30. Was that something that you kind of had on your radar uh, prior to this spring season? Uh, well, Yale is one of those dream jobs for sure. Uh, I've been very fortunate um, to have great jobs and essentially what people would consider dream jobs uh, for my entire career, starting with my own mater up at, at Middlebury having the opportunity to coach baseball and soccer there uh, before going to, to Amherst and doing both and coaching with, with Bill Thurston, my predecessor at, at Amherst, who's you know a legend in the Northeast and, and in the country, especially for what he did with pitching. Uh, and then also the opportunity to, to pitch, I mean, to coach with some, some outstanding coaches uh, from Kevin Graber to Brian Adamski, who's now at Trinity um, all the way on through uh, Jordan Tobacco. He just got the FAU job who played at UConn. Uh, and then with the staff we had Eastern. So I've always been really fortunate to be at great places and not have to, you know, look for the next job. And uh, fortunately, things um, fell in place here at Yale and I had the opportunity to, to follow uh, John, who did a phenomenal job here for the 30 plus years that he was at Yale and really set us up to be successful in the future. Uh, but yeah, certainly those those rides uh, up to Amherst, especially in the snow or in the Hartford traffic, um, or less to be desired. So a 12-minute commute across the city of New Haven, something that I appreciate. Coach Dan mentioned it, but you're obviously filling in some pretty big shoes at Yale, but I'm sure you've also raised your own expectations for yourself uh, and for your teams after the season you just had, uh, winning a national championship. What is your kind of your mindset going into the season, working with a new group, working with um, some new staff members? I know you've brought some staff members over with you, but what's kind of your mindset and, and what is your kind of expectations for this group coming in? Uh, yeah, so certainly uh, with our staff is is Chris Wojcik, who um, to me is is one of the best uh, college pitching coaches in the country. And we're fortunate uh, to have him at Eastern to do what he did, lowest whip, uh, lowest ERA, 
I was really disappointed that uh, he wasn't named uh, national assistant coach of the year this year because he certainly uh, put in the work and had the success to do it. Um, so he's coming along with us. Uh, and then John Masagno, uh, who uh, was an All-American at Eastern, a captain for me, uh, is going to be our volunteer hitting coach and, and Eric Carlson, our volunteer coach. Um, Corey Keene, who's our hitting coach now, is, is one that we retained, um, had played at Eastern, as a matter of fact, and then had a lot of success at Quinnipiac before coming over to coach with John. Um, John Stuper, phenomenal uh, recruiter in, in terms of the, the quality of person that he brought to Yale. And that's what I'm most excited about to answer your question, is to get to know the team um, on a personal level and then also what we're capable of, of doing this year. Uh, we both graduated a lot. Mike Walsh uh, was a junior sign. Uh, with the Pirates, so we lose him. And, and uh, matter of fact, our shortstop's going to play at Georgia next year because we don't have the grad students playing the Ivy League. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity uh, for our current team and our incoming freshmen uh, to, to get more playing time and, and develop uh, and also show what they have to offer. I saw uh, Mike Odenwalder got hired at Eastern Connecticut. He's a, he's a D3 legend in uh, New England. What were, did you have any uh, input on that? And what were your thoughts on him getting hired? I'm, I'm really excited for Mike. Uh, he is an outstanding uh, person, high character guy. Um, and he's from the Berkshire League, which is where I played uh, at Terryville High School. Uh, he's out of Wimogo High School, played for uh, another uh, baseball legend in Connecticut, Greg Hunt, who uh, coached the Twisters back when the Twisters existed. Um, and ended up playing for me at, at Amherst, uh, was also a junior sign uh, out of Amherst and, and played three years in the Orioles organization before, I, before coming back to, to coach me and then uh, um, stayed on after I left with Eastern to help with that transition. So in some ways, he's, he helped one staff transition already after um, I left to go to Eastern. And, and so now he has the opportunity to, to transition himself uh, from the system that we had last year. He's got a great group of guys uh, at Eastern to, to build on the season that we had this year um, and a, a really strong uh, freshman group coming in. Um, I know hopefully Steve Servizzi, Len Reed are going to stay on. Uh, Len Reed has the, the most uh, national championships of, of any current coach that I know of. He's got five um, from the time that he was with uh, Coach Halawati and then uh, this year's. And then Steve Servizzi was part of that 45-1 and one run with uh, Bill Decker at Trinity uh, when they won the national championship. So he's got a 45 and one uh, season and uh, a 49 and three season um, to his name. So he has a great staff there. I'm really happy for him. And uh, uh, there were a lot of really strong candidates that, that Eastern brought in and, and a bunch of others that had some interest. And in, uh, you know, I think they got a really strong candidate there. Coach, I'm curious your perspective. I think a lot's certainly been talked about with the, with the current state of recruiting as it pertains to, you know, not just the transfer portal, but extra years because of COVID eligibility and, and things of that nature. I'm curious now at Yale, shifting into the Ivy League from Division Three, very competitive Division Three conference, and of course, you know, your program spoke for itself. I'm, how have you, do you envision changing your strategy at all when it comes to college recruiting in your new role? Have you felt like currently out on the trail already, you've seen a different dynamic at all based on your new role and your new job and the way that you now are going to have to approach new prospective student-athletes? Well, the biggest challenge is, is being in the Ivy League and the limitations that the Ivy League has on recruiting, um, starting with um, transfers. And that Yale does not bring in many transfers as a university, let alone in the athletics department. Uh, so to bring in a transfer for baseball 
uh, will be incredibly rare. It happens. Uh, we currently have a, a left-handed pitcher who transferred from Duke, uh, but he's the only one. Um, the other challenge is that we're not able to have uh, graduate students play. So the Ivy League rule of you have four years um, to complete four years of eligibility uh, really limits taking advantage of uh, the COVID extension by the NCAA. And if you look back at what we did at Eastern, we were ahead of the curve in terms of um, adapting the, the transfer model uh, with the transfer portal, taking advantage of the two years of additional eligibility that the NCAA gave to Division three players. Uh, we benefited a lot with our relationship uh, with, with UConn and the UConn coaching staff, Jim Penders and Coach Horgan and Coach Mack. Uh, they did a phenomenal job helping us uh, bring some of the players that just didn't quite make it at their level to come uh, transition to Eastern and play. And we're a big part of the success that we had this year. As a matter of fact, Luke Broadhurst, who transferred um, down to Eastern, is now transferring back to play at, at UConn next year, which is a great success story. Um, so many of the, the aspects of uh, how the game has, has shifted, especially as a result of COVID um, and the transfer model uh, with the transfer portal, doesn't apply to recruiting at Yale. And so we have to figure out a, a new model uh, that reflects more of, of the success that we had uh, in terms of the players that we brought in at Amherst, uh, which in the NESCAC, obviously, uh, they have some uh, restrictions as well in, in terms of who they're able to bring in and transfers and whatnot. So uh, as the game changes dramatically, even in the past year with NIL money and how that's influenced how the Power Fives and other Division One programs uh, choose to bring in incoming classes, essentially uh, with, with transfers, right? So if, if you look at um, some of these classes coming into the campuses this fall, half of them and many of these programs are transfers and the other half are uh, true freshmen, whereas in years past, you know, the incoming classes of, of these programs uh, were made up mostly of uh, true freshmen. That's, that's impacted what's available to us uh, in the 23 class next year in the 24 class in terms of recruits. And, and so we have to adapt our mindset of, okay, how is the NIL money in the transfer portal affecting who we can access, even though it may not um, allow for us to bring in players uh, who are currently playing college baseball. Staying on the topic of recruiting, what made you decide to take that first recruiting trip to California? Do you see that as like an untapped uh, potential or is that part of the Ivy League recruiting model where, you know, the academic piece is so important to kids all over the country, you can recruit anywhere? Well, we're fortunate with, with uh, the Yale name and, and recognition of our university and, and uh, the overall educational experience that we provide uh, that uh, we are able to use that to our advantage in, in terms of accessing players and, and getting phone calls back. But unfortunately now with uh, the amount of access of information that we have, uh, whether it's through perfect game or PBR or, or um, just using the internet um, to, to find more information about players, we have more access at the division one level uh, on information about players than major league teams did, you know, 10 years ago, drafting players out of college. And so now there's, there are very few players who slip through the cracks or untapped areas out there. Um, so now it's more just strategic recruiting and identifying talent, which ones are the best fit for your program. Um, whereas when I started out at Amherst uh, back in 2010, there were some areas that I could go where the Ivies uh, weren't or where other NESCAC schools or our peer institutions weren't going uh, that I was able to, to find players from to include parts of California. Uh, those areas don't exist anymore. So the, the reason why I went out to California uh, was there's actually a little lull in, in some of the events that were going on at the time 
Um, so I figured, okay, where was the one area I can go and, and know that I can see some alumni, actually meet some of my current players, because uh, we do have a number of players from California and Texas and the West Coast, and at the same time see some some really good baseball, and that was it. I mean, this year, uh, at the start of it, we were kind of chasing our tail a little bit at the start just because, you know, we didn't have, um, with the new coaching staff, we didn't have uh, basically our, our 23 pool um, of players that we wanted to follow that you usually start, you know, two years in advance. Um, John and his staff did a really good job of, of um, starting it for us. But again, we had to build that out. So uh, we wanted to hit the road right out of the gate. Coach, I know you guys over the weekend this past Saturday held a, a prospect camp. Uh, I'm kind of curious, you know, I, f- I feel like, again, when we're talking about advice to prospective recruits or kids that are looking to play college baseball, sometimes it, be- it comes all over the map. How much do you have you valued over the years, both, um, you know, in the, in the jobs you've held previously and now at Yale? How much do you guys rely and your staff rely on those prospect camps to get a good feel of, of kids that you could potentially be interested in, but kids that are also, you know, you know are interested in Yale? Uh, it's, it's really helpful for us to um, give access and opportunity for players who we may not have been able to see. So for example, we had, we had players at our prospect camp from uh, all over the country, but uh, places like Nebraska and uh, uh, we had a player from Iowa, a player uh, from Kansas. Those are areas that we don't often fly out to, to recruit at events. And, and so if that player hadn't been at an event uh, where we were a major tournament, for example, then this is the best way for us to see them play in person. It's also an opportunity for them to see our, you know, our great facilities um, and our beautiful campus and, and New Haven. Um, you know, we're fortunate to play, I think, in one of the, uh, the best college baseball facilities in the country, Bush uh, Field, uh, which is named after uh, former President H.W. Bush, um, is one of the just iconic uh, baseball facility was built in 1928. You have the famous picture of Babe Ruth and, and President Bush uh, meeting at home plate. Um, and then we've had so many Hall of Famers and, and great college players uh, play on this field. It's just a, a really beautiful uh, background for um, a college baseball game. So to get them on our field and playing and for them to, to interact with our coaches and we bring in um, coaches from um, other programs and a lot of really successful Division three programs for them to get exposure in front of those programs as well, uh, Amherst, Trinity, MIT, um, Pomona from out west, uh, Stevens Institute, Catholic, all these schools are, are uh, sending uh, their coaches up to our camp to not only work with players, but to give those players exposure as well. Coach, I'm interested in uh, how the news got to the players at Eastern. I, you hear now, like, you know, a lot of times it gets broken on social media and guys hear about it through the grapevine. Uh, what was the conversation like you had with your guys? And is it easier coming off a national championship where you can say, guys, we achieved the goal, you know, that that's, we did what we wanted to do. Uh, yeah, it was not easy. Um, and the process wasn't easy because the process started well before, um, you know, our season ended. And so it was going on uh, throughout our year. And first and foremost, for me, what was most important was to stay focused on the Eastern team, the Eastern players, and, and us preparing for practices and in games all the way up through the World Series um, to, to honor their commitment. Um, and Yale did a phenomenal job, and, and Vicki Chun, our director of athletics, did a phenomenal job uh, making sure that that happened and, and took place. As a matter of fact, it, it delayed part of my interview process 
uh, because Yale wanted to make sure that I was able to devote my full energy and time um, to the team and our, our NCAA and ultimately World Series run um, and not be distracted by preparing for interviews. Um, and at the same time, that was going to be inevitable because uh, as we made our run, it delayed and delayed uh, the opportunity for them to, to hire a coach. And then ultimately, you know, it was me. Uh, and as a result, that was a, a full month um, later that I started. And, and that then uh, took away from the opportunity again to, to hit the recruiting trail uh, earlier or get to see some of our guys play summer ball. Uh, but most important for me uh, was for the Eastern players to know about this opportunity for me and, and ultimately why I decided to um, go from, from Eastern to Yale because Eastern's an amazing place and a place that I fell in love with uh, both in terms of obviously the team, uh, but the institution is, is an awesome place. The campus is beautiful. The people there are, are wonderful people uh, that treated me really well and supported our, our baseball team and the athletics department in a way that they can have a lot of success. Um, and so it was really important for me to, to be able to let the guys know, like, listen, this is an opportunity for me and my family. Um, and at the same time, you're going to be set up really well that whoever takes over after me uh, is going to do a great job and, and take the program in a direction that um, the, the program is certainly going to be better for. And I, and I really do believe that uh, you're going to see a lot of success from, from Mike Oldenwalder and, and the team this year and, and then in the years to come. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division One, Two, and Three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Coach, coming from Eastern, again, a very incredibly successful, of course, speaks for itself program. I think sometimes people believe that the the line between, you know, Eastern or UMass Boston, Babson, high level Division three schools and Division one or Ivy League schools is not is, is probably a little closer than people realize. I'm curious, do you have to adjust yourself as an evaluator at all when you're looking at prospective recruits, having gotten so used to, of course, again, kids playing at eye level, you were recruiting outstanding players, but do you have to change in what you're looking for at all now at a new spot beyond, of course, the academic component of, of Yale? 
Well, I do it a number of different ways. The, the margin for error is much smaller because we're not able to bring in as many uh, incoming players as we did at Eastern. We had a much larger roster and we had a, a JV team at Eastern. Um, where at one point we had somewhere around 70 players in the program. Uh, we cut that back a little bit after COVID. Um, but at Yale, uh, that roster size is obviously significantly less and the incoming players uh, they're able to bring in is significantly less. So the margin for error on missing on those players, especially when it's more difficult to bring in uh, transfers and we're not able to extend their eligibility into a fifth year, means that the players that we bring in are the players that we have to develop and cultivate. Um, which means you have to have a really strong coaching staff in terms of their player development and the instruction that they provide. Um, so it's, again, it's more similar to, to Amherst in, in that way. Um, there is, there is a lot of overlap. So I do want to speak to one of the um, aspects of your question uh, is that the overlap from division three to division one um, is, is even, there's even more overlap now than there was even, five years ago. And you're starting to see that with the players who transfer up now that the NCAA has allowed for players to transfer up without sitting out. Uh, you look at our Eastern team, uh, Billy, Old, uh, Billy Oldham, who um, was our, our number one this year is going to be pitching at Southern Miss um, this coming year. Southern Miss lost to Ole Miss uh, in the super regional had, a, had an amazing run uh, this year. He's going to pitch for them. Um, and you look at all the other opportunities for Division Three programs from some of the programs uh, that you mentioned that are, are headed to places like UConn and top-tier programs uh, and having success there. That's something that recruits now that there are less opportunities at Division One level for the 23 and 24 class to pay attention to that not only has Division Three some really great schools and coaches and programs to play for, but they're also really, really good. Um, I'd say the biggest difference between – Division one and division three at the top tier of division three is um, the level of depth in that there's significantly more depth uh, within the division one programs, uh, number six, seven, eight, nine in the lineup compared to your top tier division uh, three teams or your number four and five starter at the division one program um, are, are more talented uh, than the number four or five starter on a division three team. Um, at Eastern, that was ultimately the difference that we had this year going 49-3. We were clearly the best, at the end, you could say this, that we were the best Division Three program out there, both in terms of, of talent um, and also uh, in how our guys played together. Um, we had that depth that a lot of lower-level Division One programs had because, you know, half of our starting roster were essentially Division One players from top-tier Division One programs. I spoke with uh, John Stuper. I think it was the day before they announced your hire, and it sounded like he was pretty involved in the process. He was thrilled that you were going to be his successor. Um, I'm interested in the relationships that you have with the Ivy League coaches. You had mentioned earlier Bill Decker at Trinity, 45-1. and one. Um, What do you think it will be like uh, competing against some of those other coaches in the Ivy League and some of the other programs? We're fortunate, and as you know this, and you're, you're a big part of it, uh, with what the journal does in terms of connecting coaches, we're really fortunate, uh, especially in New England, but in, in college baseball, um, of the quality of person that we have um, coaching in all levels of, of, of college baseball and the relationships that we have, especially with the overlap uh, within the, the NESCAC and the Ivy League in recruiting. We spend a lot of time together uh, outside of the spring season uh, some coaches end up staying in hotels together, you know, on the, on the road to save money. 
um, and get to know each other really, really well. I mentioned, you know, with our two camps that we had, um, you know, we had a, a bunch of coaches from schools that I had coached against the division three level that I became really, really close with and root for them when we're not playing with them. And the same thing goes with the Ivy league. Um, I know the Ivy league coaches really well because they were really good to me when I was at Amherst allowing for me to uh, work at their camps to, to recruit from. And that was the first, how I got to know John Stuper and had tremendous respect for him um, for how he helped me when I was at Amherst when he didn't have to. Uh, and I, I'm really excited about being in the Ivy league because of the quality of character of the Ivy league coaches uh, and the standard of excellence um, that they represent for their teams, for who they are as people and ultimately for the schools they represent. So um, I hope they, they say the same thing about Yale and in the way that we're trying to uh, kind of continue the legacy that, that John Stuper had here and, and honor that uh, with the way that we play the game. Coach, you have to be chomping at the bed, I'm sure, a little bit. I'm sure there's a combination of anticipation and, and excitement. Uh, what does the fall look like for you guys pro- programming-wise with, uh, with your players? Uh, so we're going to start out with uh, individual and small group work. Um, we're, we're limited a little bit uh, in terms of the amount of time that we're able to spend with our players in the Ivy League uh, relative to Division One. Um, so we have to be strategic in the way that, that we schedule uh, their time down here at the field. Uh, and also when they're here, that, that we go and, and that, um, you know, that, that we're working and, and getting a lot out of the time that we have. Um, another area of focus for us is, is going to be the strength and conditioning program. We have an outstanding staff, so we need to take advantage of it. That's one of the biggest differences going from Division three to Division one is that you have a much larger staff. Um, this past year at Eastern, uh, we didn't have a strength coach uh, because our outstanding strength coach went down to College of Charleston. She got a great job. And because of, of where we were in terms of COVID and hiring uh, and when she left, we weren't able to fill that position. Uh, Chris Wojcik and I were, were running the strength program uh, throughout the year. Now we have a first-rate facility here at Yale. As a matter of fact, we have two of them, one on Central Campus and one right next to the stadium, uh, the, the most recent one. Um, the size Center was built uh, and funded by uh, – the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, and it has everything that you could possibly want. And so we're going to get our guys in there and really get after it this fall so that way we can get a little bit bigger, stronger, more explosive while we're making some adjustments on the field. Um, and then we're going to look at what we what we did well last year and try to build on that. And, um, you know, we, ha- we have a lot of speed uh, in our lineup, um, and we don't have a ton of power, so that's going to be something that we're going to figure out in terms of finding ways to get to first base and move base, base runners along. Um, and then yeah, at the end of the day, Chris Wojcik has done such a phenomenal job with our pitchers. I'm going to let him have at it with the pitchers. Um, not only did he have the lowest whip and the lowest ERA in the country last year, he had the lowest uh, whip when he was at Westland uh, for a team whip uh, back in 2015 with the outstanding pitchers that he produced there. He had, uh, when he was at Westland, he had three guys – uh, from that staff alone uh, end up going pro. Uh, so he keeps guys arms healthy, uh, gets them to compete. And I'd say that that'd be the last piece is, is to really focus in on building the competitiveness of this group. Um, the Yale guys are highly disciplined. They work really hard. And that's something that we can use the foundation to really build this fall in terms of some of the team cultural dynamic stuff that we're going to be doing. I've heard a lot of coaches talk about a new trend, uh, not necessarily a good trend in Division One college baseball. Uh, I guess, you know, and it could be a, a one of the effects of the pandemic too, but it seems like the recruiting timeline is just getting pushed up and pushed up. And a lot of these D1 programs are trying to get high school freshmen or, you know, early in their sophomore year to commit. 
and then they don't have the space on the program to honor all the commitments. So they're, you know, they're basically over committing to the players and then they're leaving these guys senior year trying to figure out, Hey, where am I going to end up? I'm not lumping you in there. I know you're a new to division one. So I'm not blaming you <laughs> for that. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what do you think of that trend? Is it, do you think it is a problem in college baseball? It is. It's a big problem. Um, because it, it leaves high school players. I mean, we're talking about 17, 18 year olds, uh, in a really difficult place, talented players who have the opportunity to play at a really high level and have committed themselves. Um, and, and, and it, it's the, the door swings both ways, right. In, in terms of players committing to, uh, to programs and, and not honoring, um, you know, what is expected of them in terms of developing in, in high school as well. But it really does start, uh, with the college programs that decommit players. And, and I would say Part of that trend is also once they get to the college campuses uh, to then lose their spot to a transfer because that transfer has been offered NIL money uh, and they're two years into playing for, uh, you know, a, a power five school uh, and they get they get brought to this other school where this this uh, freshman or sophomore has already committed themselves, built a friend's base, uh, worked really hard and committed themselves to the school uh, and then lose that opportunity because at the end of the day, college baseball has turned into a business. Uh, and part of, of my livelihood is based on wins and losses. Uh, and so the, the coaches are also in a, in a really challenging position because, I mean, you see now um, how many coaches are, are either losing their jobs after successful years or are bouncing to go to other places and the whole, the whole team leaves that school. Um, and so it's a really interesting time for, for college baseball right now. And, and it will play itself out for sure. Um, but, but that aspect of, of college baseball is, is certainly not a healthy one. Hopefully it trends back in, in a different direction. The challenge is I, I don't see us putting the genie back in the bottle in terms of the transfer portal and NIL. Uh, and it's going to change the complexion of what college baseball looks like. And, you know, you look three or four years down the road, especially after some of the new changes that are going to be coming out. And you're going to see a very different look to college baseball. Coach, you mentioned earlier about how Yale, of course, doesn't just limit transfers from an athletic standpoint, but just in general, from a school and academic standpoint, you guys don't have a lot of turnover on a year in year out basis. I work in travel baseball. I was in a tournament in in Philadelphia and I was talking to a division one coach uh, about just what he kind of needed from a positional standpoint going forward. And he said from his 2024 class, which of course is two years away, they were only going to recruit two kids and then they were going to go through the rest of the transfer portal. And we were talking about a mid-major Division One school. Do you feel like, of course, there are constraints that come, you know, with the with the not being allowed to, or limits on transfers, but do you feel like it almost can be a benefit knowing that the team that you have freshman year is a team that you're going to be able to develop and you're not going to maybe have different outside influences over the course of, of a player's four-year career? Uh, yes, and, I, and I, I would say that the biggest benefit is to be able to look a recruit in the eye and, and say, we're not going to bring in a transfer to take your position. And that when we say we're committed to you, we are committed to your development because again, not only, not only are we not likely to bring in a transfer, um, a tran- a single transfer, not, not the one to take your position uh, in the four years that you're here, uh, but we're limiting the number of players that, that we can bring in. So we're not going to be bringing in many incoming freshmen um, to try to take over your spot. Now, again, that's healthy competition too, in terms of having players uh, behind the starter um, to help them push themselves in their own right. Um, however, that's certainly something that for us, um, I think is an advantage. And, and fortunately being at Yale, um, 
The thing about Yale is that if, if you make a phone call to a recruit, you're going to get a call back. Now, they may not, once they learn about what the institution is about and not having scholarships and, um, you know, the, the commitment on the academic end, maybe it's not the right fit for them. Um, but you always get a call back from Yale. And, and that's certainly something that we have to use to our advantage because, again, we're not able to bring in uh, transfers at the rate that some of these other schools are going. And I think that that can be a very healthy aspect to building our team culture. Coach, before we let you go, I do want to go back to that first pitch at City Field for before a Mets game. You see so many horror shows when people are throwing out these first pitches. Uh, did you make your family and your new university proud by throwing a strike? I, well, I kept this off of social media. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, so it's funny that the actual moment uh, wasn't nerve-wracking at all. Um, the, the first was figuring out uh, whether or not to get on top of the rubber or, or to throw it uh, from the base of the mound. Right. Uh, and I was, I was originally going to go from the rubber. Uh, and the reason for that is, you know, you see the, you know, you see the, uh, the iconic footage. And I remember watching it when, when president Bush, also a Yale alum, um, threw the first pitch in the, in the uh, 01 world series at Yankee stadium. And, and you, you watch the YouTube video of him talking with the Jeter in, in the tunnel and, uh, you know, being told not to bounce it because the, the Yankee fans would, would, would boo him. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm the Yale coach. And, you know, I, if people are going to watch this, my guys are going to watch this, right? I better go to the top of the mound because if I go to, if I go to the base of the mound, they're going to be like, come on, like you, you, you're too scared to throw it from, you know, the rubber. But then I'm talking to Stoop um, the night before, and he's like, you better not go on the mound. <laughs> like that's, that's the pitcher's workplace it's going to be really disrespectful to him, the starting pitcher, uh, if you if you walk on on his play. So now now I'm thinking like, okay, well I'm kind of damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. Um, at the end of the day, I'm going to listen to Stoop. He's my predecessor, and uh, I went from the, the base of the mound. But the, the challenge was, is I hadn't thrown a baseball in two weeks from throwing batting practice during the World Series, uh, and so the cool thing about that that day was that I had a bunch of, of Amherst alumni. One of my first captains, John D'Angelo, uh, who's um, working for Major League Baseball uh, in New York. He's, he's pretty high up there and was very involved. Matter of fact, he kind of led the negotiations for Major League Baseball, with the new CBA. He was there with his wife, Jason Stein, who works for the Mets, um, is a, an Amherst guy who's on my analytics team. Brilliant guy. He was there and a bunch of other Amherst alumni. Uh, and then our, our Eastern seniors were there. Um, they all paid their way to come and be a part of it and be honored. Uh, and then there were a bunch of Yaleys there to include Ron Darling, um, who pitched in the really famous game in uh, the NCAA tournament game against Frank Viola against St. John's uh, at Yale at Bush Field. Uh, so they're all there, right? And, and so I, I had it thrown in, in two weeks. And I'm like, okay, you know, you get one time to throw. I, I've got to make sure that I wasn't worried about throwing left and right. I was worried about being too short or throwing high. So Chris Wojcik and I were in, were in the stairwell actually throwing a ball back and forth. Um, and then when we were down below, they, they allowed us to throw on the field a little bit. And then once you get out there, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. I was just told don't look up because uh, you know, the facade of, of city field looks pretty massive, but uh you know, at the end of the day, whether it's the College World Series or, or other big moments that we're in in games, 
you know, once you're out on the field between the lines, and you kind of lock into the task that you have in front of you. So it was a blast, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't embarrass Yale or John Cooper or Amherst or Eastern or, or my family for uh, throwing anything but a strike. That's great. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw that one. Max Scherzer chased somebody off the mound throwing a first pitch a couple of weeks ago because they were taking too long. See, so Stu hooked me up right there. Yeah. You got to get going, get in and out. A smart man for, for listening to him. That's funny. Um, well, coach, thank you so much for taking the time. Looking forward to tracking your career at Yale. Uh, thanks to Yale coach Brian Hamm for joining us on the Base Path podcast. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Steve Safran. The Base Path podcast is a Siemens Media production.